Hollywood, California, and the studios where the distinguished pictures that bear the name of Samuel Goldwyn are produced. Such films as The Best Years of Our Lives, winner of nine Academy Awards. It was in these very studios that we recently tried to make a trailer for a new and wonderful picture called The Bishop's Wife. You know what a trailer is. One of those little films you see at your theater which shows you scenes from some big picture that's coming soon. Well, we made the big picture, and it's on its way. But something happened to the little one. It was on the day we finished all work on The Bishop's Wife. The stars were on their way home. Looks like it. Goodbye, Gary. It's wonderful working with you. Goodbye, David. See you very soon. Very soon, I hope. Goodbye, David. See you tonight. Oh, that's right. Oh! What about the trailer? Trailer? Oh, I forgot God. all about it. I... Well, they must be set up somewhere. Where are they? Day six. No, I think they're on eight, David. Eight? Oh, yes, come on, come on. Well... Just a minute, folks. I'm sorry. Can't go in without a pass. Oh, well, uh, you see, we work here. That is, we just finished over there, and now we... All right, so you're finished. There's no one stopping you from leaving. But you don't understand. We still have to make the trailer. Well, I'm sure you wouldn't want to stop us from telling people about a great picture like The Bishop's Wife. Have you seen it? <laughs> no, not exactly, but... Then how do you know it's great? Well, we we had a lot of fun making it, and that's always a very good sign. Well, look, maybe so, but I'm new here. I don't know you folks, unless you've got a passion. I'm David Niven, and I play the bishop. And I'm Loretta Young, and I play the bishop's wife. And I'm Cary Grant, I play... Oh, uh, oh that's right. Yeah, wait a minute. <clears throat> What's the matter? Well, nobody's supposed to know what part I play until they see the picture. Right. Then what do you need of the trailer? Well, we'd like folks to come in and see the picture. It's very fine. And it's quite the most unusual picture Sam Goldwyn has ever made. Oh, yeah. It's full of surprises. <laughs> oh, please. Well, if you put it that way. Thanks, Officer. I've got an idea. What? Well, the Bishop's wife is different. Let's keep it that way. Let's have no trailer. Oh, David, a picture without a trailer? No, that's it. Why take all the wonderful surprises out of it before people see it? All right. So, no trailer. No oh, trailer. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Goodbye. Oh, no. Christmas and welcome back to the Essential Films Podcast, the podcast devoted to the discussion of the greatest movies ever made or the Essential Films. Welcome to our yearly Christmas episode. We're very excited to have it this year. Uh, but before we get on to any of that, uh, I'm going to introduce my co-hosts, Mr. Mark Espinosa. How are you doing, buddy? Uh, pretty good, my friend. How are you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. We're, uh, as we record this, a few days before, about a week before Christmas, a little, actually a little less uh, before Christmas Day. So getting... You know, getting down to the wire here. Uh, hopefully, this will this should drop uh, probably Christmas Eve or so uh, for all you listeners out there. But uh, as of right now, uh, yeah, we're, the house is getting getting ready for for everything. Obviously, we can't have people over. Uh, um, although my my in laws are actually vaccinated, um, but uh, but you know, oh, so they can cool. come over. But um, yeah, that's pretty much it. We're just going to have a very low key Christmas this year, obviously because of everything. But how about you? Well, first of all, I just want to say I'm glad to be back on the Essential Films Christmas special. Yeah, uh, sorry about I, that last year. <laughs> I, I had, well, that's, I had to bow it last year because I caught the flu, 
or who knows, it might have been COVID at that point because it was a, it, it was around like in November or something. But uh, I caught a really bad. I got really sick, really really sick around Christmas Eve night, and then it went into like the day after Christmas. I like completely bedridden, couldn't move. I couldn't celebrate with my family. It was a little bit annoying. So, uh, well, I mean, not a little bit. It was really annoying, I should say. But it's uh, you have to go solo for that show. But it's good to be back this year. <laughs> Yeah, we're glad to have you back. It's uh, always always uh, good to do a, a two man show instead of a one man show. This is our, oh, this is our fifth Christmas year. I'm not. Tr- I'm trying to remember because we did It's a Wonderful Life, we did Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, White Christmas, Holiday Inn. I think this is number five, right? This is number five. All right. Yeah. Unless I'm missing one, I can't think of another one that we did. Um, but yeah, this is uh, our fifth Christmas year. Um, we're going to be doing our, our episode today on uh, The Bishop's Wife. It was directed by Henry Coster, uh, produced by Samuel Goldwyn, with a screenplay by Leonardo Bercovici and Robert E. Sherwood, with uh, uncredited writing tasks of uh, Billy Wilder and Charles Brackett. It was based on The Bishop's Wife novella by Robert Nathan. It stars Cary Grant, Loretta Young, David Niven, Monty Woolley, and the bride of Frankenstein herself, Elsa Lanchester. Uh, and with cinematography by Greg Toland. Uh, it was released on December 9th, 1947. Got a, that was the premiere, but interestingly enough, it didn't actually get a wide release until February 16th. And we'll talk about a little bit about that later. So when did you first discover or watch this film? Well, I'm about to drop a bombshell on you, my friend. Uh, the first time I watched The Bishop's Wife was, as of this recording, approximately six hours ago. Wow. On Turner Classics movies. Now, I have some bit, bits and pieces of it over the years. Like, I've never really sat down to watch it, but I flipped through it on TV and watched, like, maybe a few minutes here or there. Now, I, I mean, we'll talk about it uh, later on as we go through the movie, but it's a little funny. When you get into the movie at certain points, out of context, one thing might mean something that it doesn't mean. For example, there was one time that I was channel certain. I think it was two Christmases ago. It was on TCM. And I happened to come up on the scene when they're um, where Dudley and Julie are at Michelle's and he's like holding her hand and they're talking. And I'm like, hmm, what's going on here? This was like a romantic comedy of some sorts. Right. Uh, so but that's not what it is at all. Well, what's happening? I mean, for all I know, I thought the, I could have figured these two were like husband and wife at this point. But we'll get more into that later. But as you can see, when you don't watch it from the beginning and you pick up from a certain scene like that one. It's a little hard to figure out what's going on. Like, looks can be deceiving. But finally, I was like, you know, when you pick this movie for, for Christmas this year, I said, finally, I'm going to be able to sit down and watch it properly. And I made sure to do it on Turner Classic Movies because whenever it's on, that's always when I'm, like, channel surfing to it. That's, that's the channel that's always on. So I made sure to get home early from work today. Got ready, got the TV ready, got the sofa ready, and I buckled in for the bishop's wife and i gotta say it was it was a great movie i had a great time watching this movie like Cary grant is just so charismatic i mean we're gonna get more into this later on but just little points here Cary grant obviously carries this movie he's just so charismatic like he just eats up the screen every time he's there and it, it's so funny like everybody in the movie except for david niven swoons over over dudley i'm swooning over Cary grant like that's just he has that power on people you know but then every the rest of the cast was great you know it's just what a great movie, a great story. We'll get more in detail later on, but yeah, I saw it for the first time from start to finish earlier today. Yeah, it's a fun movie. Um, 
it's it's a it's a little religiously religiously which we can get into yeah, a little bit is. later but it is a very fun movie the uh, first time i discovered it honestly there's nothing really all that interesting about it it was just a year i was just looking up like you know greatest christmas movies ever and i was like seeing which ones i had seen and hadn't seen and this is one of the ones i hadn't seen so i just made sure to like you know I don't know if I rented it or, or uh, streamed it or something, but I, I ended up watching it on TCM. I don't remember where it was, but I just watched it in one one night. It was in the last few years and thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, so there's not not a real, not, unlike most of the movies we we talk about here, it's not something I saw in, in college and film school or anything like that. It's just a movie I saw in the last few years after kind of Googling, you know, best Christmas movies that I hadn't seen yet. And this is one of them, but glad I caught up with this. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a really fun little movie. Not we don't have uh, for my research. I couldn't find a ton of back, uh, like production stuff. We can get into some of it, um, but uh, but we'll probably mostly be talking mostly about the plot of the movie unless you have anything else. But I only have a few little production notes. Uh, I mean, yeah, I couldn't really find a lot of stuff on it either. But uh, you have at it then. <laughs> yeah, one of the things that I thought was uh, was interesting about this is that. Uh, the original cast for this, uh, David Niven was originally cast in the film with Dana Andrews and Teresa Wright. Um, Dana Andrews was playing the bishop and Niven was playing the angel. And Teresa Wright obviously was the titular uh, bishop's wife. Uh, eventually, Teresa Wright had to uh, got pregnant, so she had to get a, uh, you know, she went home to take care of the baby. Um, and uh, when uh, they kind of made a trade for Dana Andrews to get Loretta Young um, from RKO. And uh, Loretta Young was uh, was added to the cast as the bishop's wife, and then they brought in Cary Grant to play. Uh, actually, brought in Cary Grant to play the bishop, but then he basically said he wanted to play the angel, and they switched the two. And yeah. I think that's really interesting because I cannot see now. David Niven is a fine actor, but I cannot see Cary Grant playing the bishop with David Niven being the charismatic angel, right? Because I love Cary Grant, so don't get me wrong when I say this. He wasn't the greatest actor. He was a great movie star, right? Because really, yeah. Cary Grant just played Cary Grant. So to have him try and play like this buttoned-up, like, bishop, I think would have been way off. Oh, no. It was perfect casting. Like, uh, I can't even imagine, like, with the roles reverse, how it would have been. So um, good move there. And I and I honestly also don't see David Niven being like the being Dudley like this charisma machine that Dudley is, you know, where everyone just looks at. It. And it also works with Cary Grant because he was like classically handsome movie star, and like obviously everyone just swoons every time you see him, like you said in, in the movie, uh, or it's, as you said earlier. So it just seems much more, it just seems much more natural for it to be Cary Grant. Um, well, here's my thing about that too, and this is the only thing that probably bothered me uh, like upon this watch. Of the bishop's wife like i thought about that name dudley and i just <laughs> sitting there like just i'm thinking no one that looks like carrie grant could ever be named dudley and get away with that name bro <laughs> like david niven sure like he looks like a dudley but carrie grant does not look like somebody named dudley and i just thought that was just wacky you know we have this name that just doesn't match like the person that it's named for and you know that that bothered me for for a while <laughs> Yeah, it is kind of a goofy name. It also doesn't yeah. sound like a very angelic name either. Exactly. Maybe that's the point. Maybe, Maybe that's the point. Yeah. But like, like you'd think it'd be something like Gabriel or I don't know uh, Isaiah or something. You know, like something. Or go to John Travolta about, about, and do Michael. You know, <laughs> do Michael yeah. better than Michael. 
Yeah, there you go. But but uh, but Dudley, it does seem kind of like a funny choice. Um, but uh, another kind of thing that I thought was kind of interesting is that um, they, when they were making the film, they did they did have some early previews, and audiences didn't really enjoy the movie at all. Uh, so they had had Billy Wilder uh, and Charles Brackett come in to do some rewrites, um, but. Uh, even then, the when the movie actually premiered and was uh, released to audiences, it was not uh, well received uh, financially. I think it got decent reviews, but uh, at the time, but it wasn't received well financially because a lot of people, uh, according to market research, thought it was like going to be too religious. Um, which you know it, it was a bit religious, but they thought it was just going to be all like preachy the whole time. Yeah. So they kind of stayed away from it. So. What happened in some markets, and you can still see some posters, uh, if you look up on Google, you can see, still, still see some posters of this. They started changing the name in the advertisements to Carrie and the Bishop's Wife instead of just the Bishop's Wife. Well, that makes um, no sense. I know, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> that makes but no to try, sense. To try and get people to go on, oh, look, it's Cary Grant. He's in it, so it's not going to be super preachy. But apparently it did work. Uh, it got more people to come into the, into the uh. movie. And uh, mm-hmm. Cary Grant ended up getting paid an extra hundred thousand dollars to 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 retitle the movie with his name in it. I mean, hey, whatever works, man. It's right. just, it's so silly. Like you have it. So here's here's what's wacky about that. So you have the actor's shoot name. I don't know if that's his shoot name, but it's his actor name in the movie title of a movie where he doesn't play Cary, he plays Dudley. Like that, you see. It makes no sense, but you know what? If it works, it works. So, and and he really, it's not even his real name. His real name's like uh, Archie Leach. So there, there, there you go, Archie and the Bishop's wife. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think that's kind of fascinating that they that they thought that it was not gonna. Uh, because they thought it wasn't bringing in people, they they added the Cary Grant's name to it. I think the other kind of major thing that they, why didn't they release it at Christmas time? They had a premiere in December, released properly until February, which no one Christmas mood in February, and this movie is all about Christmas. It's really kind of short sighted to do that. So it's like it's a wonderful life, but that came out like in the summertime or whatever, right? <laughs> it came out in like May, yeah, or something yeah. like that, yeah. Um. It's it's such a, a weird thing, and I think Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street had that same issue where they, uh, where they released it like in the summertime instead of the winter time because they didn't want to give away that it was about Christmas. And it's uh. such a thing, like especially nowadays, because you could, like, if you have a Christmas movie, man, you you get that in theaters in October. You, yeah. know, you know what I mean? Like I remember the Disney Christmas Carol, the one with the uh, Jim Carrey. Mm-hmm. That was, like early October they released that thing. You know what yeah. I mean? So that they could stay in theaters through through December. You know, so like it, it seems just crazy to me to um, that uh, that they don't that they did that. Um, and it, kind of as an aside, who was I listening? I was into a podcast. Uh, you know who uh, Mara or Mara Wilson is? Yes. So she's the little girl that was in the original, or sorry, in the Miracle on 34th Street remake from the 90s. Very active on Twitter right now. She was also and, Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, she's also That's Mrs. Where I know her. Doubtfire. Yeah, she's very uh, active on Twitter. I don't think she does much acting anymore, but she was on a podcast and she kind of jokingly said, if you're an actor, you always want to get in a Christmas movie because every year you get guaranteed royalties because they're playing your stuff like every t- every year around the same time. So, uh, you know, that that that'd be a if you're like Will Ferrell, you're probably pretty set every every December, right? Yeah, but then do you want do you want to do like 
real Christmas movies, or do you want to do those Hallmark Christmas movies? Oh no, they turn them out like every year. I would say, I think I would, uh, I would assume she means like mainstream Christmas movies that like because those those Hallmark movies with with like, oh god, they're just awful. Like those Hallmark <laughs> movies can't can't possibly, be, you know, or they scrape the bottom of the barrel, bro. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I would say, yeah, no, there's nothing. I, yeah, no, those are terrible. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, this has become a Christmas classic, I think, as we've we've it talked. Has. They show it on, on TCM every year, and uh, you know, it's uh, one of the people always clamor for. Um, so, oh, one more thing I did want to mention is because they also didn't know how they also didn't know how to market this film. Have you ever seen the trailer for this? That I have not. So I looked up the trailer for this, and it's really weird. It doesn't have any scenes from the movie. It's just um, Cary Grant, David Niven, and Loretta Young, like walking in, like in this, like in the back lot, like going to like another soundstage, and a security guard stops and is like, "Hey, you can't go in there." And they're, it's, it's so cheesy. They're like, "Oh, the stars of the Bishop's Wife. I'm David Niven. I play the Bishop. I'm Loretta Wright. I play the, you know, <laughs> uh, Loretta Young, uh, and I play the Bishop's Wife." And I'm Cary Grant, and I play, and they go, oh, no, shush, 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 you can't tell. Um, don't spoil the surprise. You'll just have to see what it is. And then, like, and then they, they go, well, time to make our trailer. You know what? Let's not make a trailer, because then people will know what, we don't want to spoil the surprise for the people. And uh, let's let's just, you know, they'll just have to come and see. And it's like, what is this trailer? It's so weird. Uh, it's very so, carny. Yeah, they don't say anything about the movie. They just say who's in it, and that's it. Like, so like, there's no sense of what you're getting. So like, it, it's. I mean, I know things were a little ran a little differently in the '40s, but no wonder people didn't show up initially. You know, if you're not going to tell them what it's about. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, this, this is all this is all carny stuff. <laughs> it just it sounds bad. Reminds me of the old wrestling days, the old territory days, when they would pull carny stuff like this. Yeah. All right, so let's uh let's let's dive into the movie unless you have anything else. Oh no, I'm good. Let's let's get into the bishop's wife. Yeah. Um. So we start off the movie. It's a uh, Christmas time. Uh, I don't. Do they say what town it's in? I don't think they do. I think it's just kind of generic. Just generic, like any town. Yeah. Yeah, just any town USA, right? And you see, uh, we will know and who. Cary Grant, who we will know as Dudley in the movie, kind of walking through this town, like kind of taking in the Christmas sights. You know, he sees like a Santa ringing a bell. He sees some kids like doing Christmas carols, just kind of walking around, just like taking in like what it's good. So you, we don't really know what, what he's up to right now. He's just kind of looking at everybody and checking things out. Yeah, and he's kind of like intervening where he feels like he should. Like, for example... Uh, a lady's baby carriage gets loose. It's about to get hit by a truck, but he pulls it away just in time. <laughs> and right. He's very suave too. You know, she's like, "Oh my god, my baby!" Like, how you know? How can I ever thank you? Like, just don't do it again. And but he yeah. says in that suave Cary Grant voice, which I, I pop for. He's like, "Just don't do it again, and be on your way." <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Exactly. And then he's he does he helps the blind man across the street. Um, and then it's, uh, you see, you see that as he's helping him across the street, all the cars just miraculously stop short before hitting him. So this is kind of the first time you kind of get an, in, an idea of that maybe something a little more, um, more to him because he's not, 
he's not he doesn't seem nervous about the cars at all. He just knows they're going to stop. Like he just keeps walking forward. And there's two things I kind of want to say about that. One, a pretty I think it's a pretty uh well kind of laid out scene because I mean, credit to Cary Grant. He doesn't flinch at all during yeah. that walk doing those walks and then also credit to the stuntmen uh or the stunt drivers who stopped so short like they within like maybe a foot of him and the other actor right uh that they that they were able to do that without like i mean i don't i didn't read anything about it but seemingly without hurting anybody uh that was this very neat little shot there yeah um and then the other thing i wanted to mention uh it's you this is it's very early in the film every time Dudley is around and something kind of miraculous happens or or his influence is like kind of taking over you hear this little like this little set this little like musical note I can't really replicate it but it's like this little musical note it becomes it's like little theme it's like a couple of notes that you hear it's like do 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 or something like that and uh every time he does something it like pops up so you know that like something kind of you know fantastical is kind of happening like other movies have done that like i can't there was one time on my tongue right now that i can't remember for sure but like where like something magical happens they'll put like a little like musical note so you know okay magic just happened or he just did something or but uh it's a christmas movie as well i can't remember which one it is but i yeah i, I heard that with Cary grant also when he would when he would perform a quote-unquote miracle or he would perform magic <laughs> or whatever he would do uh there was like a musical cue that went with it, which was cool. Yeah, I think uh, what's the word? Le motif, I think, is what you call there it. There you go. Yeah. Um. So after the these two little instances, he he keeps walking and he kind of runs into um, Julia, the the bishop's wife. Uh, he doesn't really talk to her; he just kind of observes her. She's looking at like a hat in a window, and he's just kind of observing her. So you kind of get an idea of okay, this lady is probably important to the story. We're going to find out who she is in a minute. And he's just kind of kind of watching her from across the street um, where she uh, where she kind of runs into her friend, uh, the professor. I forget his last name, but the professor who was like her, yeah. her old buddy, her and her husband's old buddy. They just make small talk. They talk about her husband. Like he's supposedly, I think they talk about the cathedral. Like, you know, he's trying to raise money to, you know, build the cathedral, but there's more details coming on that later. They're just kind of making small talk at this point. He's haggling with like the uh, the owner of the little shop about this tree that he's trying to buy, <laughs> like this ugly Christmas tree. Like, I won't pay full price for this. You know, <laughs> I only pay forty cents per branch or whatever he says. It's like ten cents a branch, I think. Ten cents a branch, yeah. And and he's just like. You know, it's uh, it's, it's a Charlie Brown, Brown tree. And yeah, like, it's a total Charlie Brown tree. It's it's a it's like this piece of junk tree, uh, but but he's still haggling about the price. Um, I tried to look up what the, I think it's a, he pays end up paying a dollar forty, and I tried to look up like what what that would be in today's money, but I couldn't I couldn't find it. But I think it's, um, I just think it's kind of funny. Uh, oh, actually, here I found it. Uh, fifteen dollars, fifteen dollars for that tree. Which and t- remember the original price that he told him was one eighty five, I think, and he got yes. forty five cents off for the haggling. Yeah. So honestly, I mean, fifteen dollars for that tree is even a little—it's a little much in our money, you know. Like yeah. for that little Charlie Brown tree, come on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, it's funny. You see the professor; he he, he kind of sees like he's this ornery like ornery guy who who you know very pretty much a skeptic and they, they they kind of just they don't say the word atheist but he's they basically say he's an atheist um so it's interesting that he's friends with the the bishop um 
and they they say that he just says, "Oh, you know, I don't believe in anything, but I do like having Christmas trees because you know it's, it reminds me of my childhood." I think he says. Yeah. Yes, he does. Uh, the, this the professor played by Monty Woolley, uh, who's very funny in this, um, and I think he he was mostly a stage actor back in the day. And then he got kind of his big break in the early 40s on screen with a movie called The Man Who Came to Dinner, which right. is another Christmas movie with Betty Davis, and which is actually a pretty funny movie. And then he then became more of a, an on-screen actor. But um, but yeah, so it's, it's kind of funny. He kind of got a, a, a on-screen break kind of later in life. Yeah. Um, so then uh, he gives her – so the, we kind of find out about the cathedral, like you said, how about he's – about her, her husband is kind of – Raising money for this like mega cathedral uh, that he wants to build, um, while like his old kind of uh, church is is still kind of is like kind of falling into ruin, and the uh, the professor's like, you know what? I have this old Roman coin. It's worthless. Why don't you give that to him? I know it's I don't I don't have anything else to contribute, but maybe he consider a Christmas present or something like that. Yeah. And then I think after this now. Dudley doesn't introduce himself to her yet, right? That's later. Correct. Um, but he introduces himself to the professor, if I remember correctly. Right. Yes. And then, <laughs> and then this is a great scene because, like, they're kind of, he's, you know, professor, hi, you know. Like, and he's like, oh, hello, young man. How are you? Like, you know, it's great. Merry Christmas. You know, how you been? Like, I'm good. I'm good. Now, where do, have I seen you before? Oh, you've seen me before. You're like, where have I seen you? You know, in Vienna, you know, when you were giving your lectures, I was there. Oh, you were in Vienna. Oh, that's a good chap. You know, this is good to see you. Like, like he's still faking that he knows him, but he doesn't know him. <laughs> and they go on this whole like conversation. They take a walk and they start talking about Vienna. But as like it's it's funny because as they walk, he's like starts believing him less and less that he was in Vienna like, listening to him. So then when he finally like you know says his goodbye, like there's a cop there and he asks the cop, "Do you know that young man?" "Oh no, no, professor. He's a stranger to me." Like I don't think I know him from Vienna. <laughs> I don't think he was ever there. <laughs> And I, I also like how he throws in as a, as a way to kind of charm him. He's like, oh, you were quite a hit with the ladies back then. And he's like, oh, well. <laughs> Fancy remembering that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you get you get a bit of some backstory here. Um, but basically, the only thing really, like, you kind of get a, a notion of his. Uh, and then, but um, they kind of walk in front of St. Timothy's, I think, which is the um, the church that the bishop is uh like kind of getting away from um and uh but they also kind of find out that um that the professor really not doing anything like he was basically fired from his job uh at the university by uh mrs hamilton i believe uh who we meet a little later she's kind of this crotchety old lady but we we meet a little later in the, in the movie but uh yeah and i think the movie then shifts to to the bishop's house i think right i think we go yeah, we finally nice see the house. bishop's yeah, like like I don't know how much bishops make, but man, the bishop is living large. Man, this house is nice. It's got a maid, a cook, yeah, yeah. a secretary. <laughs> yeah, um, makes, makes some good taxes at money right there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we won't um, get now, into that right now. Yeah, now the bishop, I believe, uh, he's a Episcopalian uh, preacher, uh, so he's he's allowed. He would have to be. He can't be a Catholic. Yeah, he can't be Catholic, so he's allowed to have a wife. Um, yeah. Yeah, so um, she uh, Julia comes home, uh, and uh, she's uh, she kind of walks in on um, on a uh, wow, well, I can't remember his name. Uh, the bishop uh, doing his 
you know, kind of trying to do his song and dance to get a funding for the cathedral, uh, basically kind of trying to kowtow to Mrs. Hamilton, but not still trying to maintain his pride. But she's clearly like this rich old lady. She kind of wants things her way, but he's trying not to give in to her. Uh, but she's basically, you know, says, I want the cathedral here. You know, I want it, you know, I don't want it anywhere else where it could be, you know, not seen. Things like that. And he, he, he's basically trying to say, like, you know, it's we can't have this cathedral that's meant for everybody to, you know, just be made in like your husband's image. And she's and which she kind of resents. And then they all kind of, you know, her and her flunkies all leave. And then he's just not in a good mood. Uh, he, he's in really Henry. That's the name. He's just in a kind of terrible mood after dealing with this whole situation. Yeah. And he kind of takes that out, unfortunately, on Julia, his wife. Um, so. I mean, after they have a little bit of a back and forth, they actually decide to sit down and have dinner. Um, and then, like, I think at the dinner, he realizes, you know what? I've been kind of, I've been, you know, mistreating, you know, my wife a little bit. You know, I've taken a lot of stuff out on her. I'm not giving her enough attention. So, you know, he decides to kind of turn it around. Like, you know, you know, why don't I take the afternoon off? You know, we'll go have a walk in the park like we used to. You know, we'll just take a walk. We'll go to Michelle's, have, have lunch. And, you know, she gets excited. Oh, I've never been. You know, we haven't been to Michelle's in so long, like, since, you know, since, I think, before we were married. So, like, now she's happy again. Like, you know, her day's been bright. You know, tomorrow she's going to get to spend time, you know, along with her husband. They haven't done in a while. Um, and then he gets to the, um, gets back to his office. And I think the, uh, his secretary reminds him, oh, by the way, you have this meeting, you know, at 11 o'clock. You know, you have a meeting at 10, you have a meeting at 11. Oh, and by the way, you have to give a lecture at 1 o'clock at the college, I think, or something. Like, you know, you booked it over a month ago. So now he made all these plans with his wife. He, she already told the maid, don't make lunch for us tomorrow. And now he's going to have to go back on her. But it, it's at this point in, when he's in the office, like, you know, he's by himself. He's kind of like, you know, reflecting now. Crap. You know, I got to let my wife down again. Um, he starts looking at this big portrait, I guess, of the cathedral that he wants to build. I don't know if it's a real cathedral or like the one, like a picture of one that he, the one that he wants, like the image of, like to build. And he's basically just says a prayer, you know, he just, he just prays for, uh, prays for like divine guidance, I guess, to, uh, you know, help him get this cathedral. Well, it doesn't say that he says he, he really just asks for help. He doesn't spe- specify what it is, yeah. which becomes kind of important a little later. The only thing I want to add to that is that, you know, you, you said that he, he had like, you know, wanted to take her out and do this, all that, but the, they, this kind of was after they had kind of a little fight where right. she basically says to him, like, what happened to us? What happened, what happened to our marriage? So you get into not only the fact that he's kind of in a bad mood, but the fact that this is, like, in the middle of, like, some tension in their marriage already. Like, there's the, things are rocky right now. Right. Um, and it, 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 it probably partly to do with this cathedral, but also just, like, their marriage is in trouble right now. Um, so, so now, so on top of the fact that he's stressed out about this cathedral, he's also stressed out about his marriage. And that's why he's, like, at this. And I, I think what it is, if I had to guess, I think it's, like, plans for the cathedral like a like a portrait of a cathedral that they want to make i don't think it exists yet like that portrait that he see, that he stands in front of i think that's what they want to achieve right yeah um because it's like very it's this very grand like kind of notre dame looking cathedral right um but yeah so he he basically kind of just asks for guidance as to what's happening and then wouldn't you know it uh <laughs> Who pops up behind him? <laughs> I guess, well, are we calling him Dudley or Carrie? Because, I mean, I guess it depends <laughs> on which version of the movie. Or Archie. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, yeah, so Dudley pops up, and uh, first he's just kind of like, uh, "Who is? Who are you?" And he, he kind of just starts telling him who he is, like without really going into any theatrics. He's like, "I'm here, and I've been here to to help you." And uh, you 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 said some prayers, and you were heard. And I've come here to answer your prayers. I'm an angel. And uh, of course, David Divins is like, or Henry is just like, excuse me. Uh, and uh, of course, he's not believing him right away because who would? Even a, even a bishop would would have it find it hard to believe. Um, but you know, of course, Dudley kind of continues on with this. He, Dudley never doesn't smile. Like he's always smiling and like right. looking at him very charmingly. Yeah, exactly. And then I mean, juxtapose Cary Grant here with Cary Grant in freaking North by Northwest, where like he's never smiling. <laughs> so, and he exactly. has that brooding face the entire time. <laughs> but yeah, he, like he's always—I mean, he's very angel-like here in the fact that like he's always happy. Um. So yeah, he's he said he's here to to help him with his uh, kind of to help the for guidance, and then um. Julia comes in and, and she's like, "Oh, who's this?" And he's like, "Oh, I'm Dudley. I'm gonna be. Uh, I'm here as the uh, the bishop's assistant." And what's interesting here is that David. Every time David tries to say, "Oh, this is a uh, sorry, not David Henry," tries to say, "Oh, this is um, Dudley. He's an ain't," and then he always gets cut off. Something always happens. Either Dudley interrupts him, or like something happens where like he's in a car and the car hits a bump on the road. Just something always happens. He can't actually say the word angel in front of anybody else. Which is great because I mean he even told him like you can, only you can know nobody else can know who I am. Um, so yeah, so of course the bishop is just like, why don't you just give me the money? Like he's like, well that's that wouldn't be much of a. How would you? No, he says, why don't you just build the cathedral? He's like, well that wouldn't. How would you explain it? It can't just pop up out of nowhere. Exactly. <laughs> um. And I think he even asked him, like, why don't you do make this desk fly around? This might be in another scene, but he goes, why don't you make this desk fly around? I was like, I'm not here to do silly tricks. <laughs> and this comes up again later on. Like, you know, it's like, I still don't, well, we'll get to it. But, you know, he's still, like, not believing him and still asking him to do, like, you know, something to prove, you know, that he's really an angel. Because, I mean, he could be a con man for all he knows. And then something made me really laugh that probably made me laugh that definitely made me laugh for the wrong reasons uh that, that the filmmakers intended so after dudley kind of disappears and and he's kind of like spooked about it he goes um you know he goes back to the dinner table and she's like and julia's like are you all right he's like oh yeah i'm fine and he starts drinking his water but he drinks it like donald drunk trump drinks his water he <laughs> with like both his hands in that weird way you know like where he takes this the weird sip that he does with the bottles of water he that's why he drank his water in the movie and i started laughing because and you know why because remember like when he gets back to the table like he's still kind of shaken so like he picks right. up the cup with one hand and he can't like grasp it because he's like he's still shaking from like you know the the meeting with Dudley. So even you know Julia goes, "Honey, are you okay? Like, what's wrong? You're shaking." Like, "Oh no!" I'm... And that's when he grabs it with two hands and starts drinking. <laughs> he does the Donald Trump. Yeah, it's it's pretty funny. Um, so next day, he's kind of talking to his secretary, and you know, he gets some bad news that some other uh, some other people, you know pledged like $15 when they were supposed to pledge like thousands of dollars. So he's, again, he's stressed and he's kind of looking out the window and, and up comes Carrie, or sorry, up comes Dudley, uh, up like the, and it just has this really goofy smile as he like walks into the house. It's just, it's, Carrie Grant is really funny here. He's really good in this role. 
Yeah, and then it, it's just funny, like, every time he interacts with anybody, like, for example, like, here, I think Matilda, the maid, is the one who opens the door for him, and yeah, he's just, like, she just becomes so mesmerized by, like, his presence, and again, that's just not the actors, you know, or the characters in the movie mesmerized, like, in the audience, you're mesmerized by just how, you know, how great Cary Grant is, and just, again, like, his screen presence, like, he just has that aura about him that he just gets mesmerized, <laughs> just like everybody else. It's so, yeah, exactly, because, like, she opens the door for him, and then, um... She's practically like, swooning at that point. And she's just, like, staring at him, and he, like, he takes off his coat, she takes the coat from him, and then she doesn't move, she just stands there, like, just ga- gaping at him. <laughs> and then, uh, I think, uh, the, the secretary, Miss, like, Cass- Cassaway, I think is her name, like, yeah. she walks by, um... On her way out, and then she's like, "Oh, hello!" And then she's like, as she's like leaving, she just kind of like keeps looking at him. And then like, there's a window in the door, and so after the door closes, she just keeps looking through the window back at him. (laughs) 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 It's like this. It's a very funny moment. So like, what I don't know, like, I mean, I think it's a bit of both. But it's like, is it is the joke that oh he's so handsome, or is the joke that he's like clearly this divine presence, or is it just both? You know what I mean? Yeah, a little bit of probably both. Um, and then there's another kind of really funny exchange that they, it's a, it's an ongoing joke they have in the movie. Like every time Henry and Dudley are at a doorway, Dudley, like, you know, offers to let him go first. And then the Bishop like thinks about it is like, wait, the angel should go first. And then they kind of do this like little dance, like back and forth until somebody goes in. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was very wacky. Um, but uh, then we get, and then then when Julia comes down, and she's like, "Hey, are you ready to go out?" And then he's he kind of breaks the news to to Julia that, "Hey, you know, it's um, yeah, it's uh, I have all these meetings and this and that." And then she obviously gets very upset, and then but she, but she even, me. yeah, she even she even says like, "Well, why don't why doesn't Dudley just take your place, giving him an out?" And he just goes, "No, no, absolutely not." And then um, and then obviously. You know, she gets upset, she leaves. But here's the one out. Like, this is one of those things that kind of keeps coming up. If Henry would just let Dudley do his job for him, then he he would have more time with Julia. But he keeps screwing that up. And, and exactly. then he, and Dudley ends up being getting more time with Julia as a result. Um, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I mean... Again, like as we go through the movie, I think he starts realizing that little by little that like because there's a point that we'll, we'll get to it at the end. I'm not gonna give it away right now, but it, this is building something later on. So that's all I'll say. Right. And now. then of course he's 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 even trying to kind of convince him of what's happening. He's like because the cathedral must be built. And he's like yes, it's the most important thing. It's like or because Julia should be happy. And, he, and he's kind of like what? And he just doesn't like really acknowledge it. Like so he's trying to like push him in that direction, and and just Henry is just not getting it. Then we have this kind of little funny little 1947 special effects scene, which I think is amusing that they did, um, where he's like has all these index cards. He's like, well, I'll just file these for you, and then like he just throws them in the air, and then kind of so like this little in like the effect shot, you see like all the cards kind of go into different spots into into like the the card index or, or whatever, and then uh, it's a funny little scene. It's like very crude, right? But it's just fun that they like did a little special effect shot there yeah and then you see some of those like throughout the rest of the movie like they're just so like low tech but like they're they're charming though in that way though as well they're low tech but there's they're obviously like still really good for the time 
you yeah. know he kind of so dudley does some snooping and then he finds a he finds the roman coin and so you know that's going to come into a little pl- uh, into play a little later he meets debbie who's the the bishop's daughter and you know debbie goes out to walk with with her mom and after he does the 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 filing the little quick filing thing he decides to just take a walk and as he goes to get his coat here's matilda johnny on the spot <laughs> like and she's like here i'll get it for you and then she puts on his coat and gives him a, a scarf and and she's just is looking at him this is great acting by elsa lanchester here because she's just like so smitten with him <laughs> you know you know uh we need a hat oh i don't wear hats I'm, i'll be fine but you'll but it's cold so you need a hat like here at least take this scarf i bought it for the bishop but he doesn't seem to like it because he doesn't wear it well, maybe if I were, like, he'll go look at it and he'll come around. <laughs> and then uh, as he's walking towards the door, you see her, like, race to the door to beat him just so she can open the door for him. <laughs> <laughs> and she does that again later. <laughs> it's it's very nice. It's very funny. Yeah. Um, the next scene we see um, uh, Julia is with Debbie at the park. And Debbie's not allowed to, like, play this big snowball fight that the, the, the other kids are having. Uh, so... All of a sudden, Dudley shows up. She's like, "Wait, why are you here?" Um, so he's like, "Oh, I always take a walk before before lunch." So uh, he asks the kids, who, um, by the way, this is funny. You get two "It's a Wonderful Life" uh, alumni here. Debbie uh, is played by Catherine Grimes, who was Zuzu in "It's a Wonderful Life." Right. And then um, the other, the kid that like won't let her play. I forget the actor's name, but he plays young George mm. Bailey in "It's a Wonderful Life." <laughs> The captains were poisoned, I tell you. Poison. <laughs> and smack his ear. <laughs> My favorite line. <laughs> um, but yeah, that kid is, uh, he, he's basically telling him she, she can't be, she's too little to be in the snowball fight. She can't throw snowballs. So uh, Dudley helps her, like, pack a snowball and then uses his little magic to, like, uh, as she throws it to like guide it towards the dude, the little kid's face, and it's clearly it's like a it's like this little animated snowball that you see. Like it's clearly like just you know, really it's really funny because after it flies and you cut to like the snowball hitting his face, like so it's it's very again very low tech magic, but still kind of charming in its own way, you know. Yes, very much so. Um, so Debbie is you know playing with the other kids and and the. Uh, you know, Dudley's like, "Hey, let's let's go for lunch," and and she's like, "Well, I have Debbie here," and he's like, "And you know, I, I nobody else, nobody can watch him, watch her." And she's like, well, "What about Matilda? Oh, she's she's Christmas shopping." It's like, "Oh no, there she is right now." And then you see Matilda <laughs> coming around the corner. She's like, "I got everything done so quickly. It's like a, it's like a miracle." Cool. So uh, so she leaves um, Matilda with the kids, and uh, they go off to uh, to uh, Michelle. Michelle's. Yeah, that's right. This is where you said you you you'd come into the movie before, and seen it. And it, it plays and, like and I think like comedy. it's just two people on a date or something. Yeah, and it does play like that. Like yeah. he's he's very like he's basically charming. He's acting like someone on a first date would or or, or yeah. on any date would. He's like reading her hand and saying all these like charming things. Oh, I didn't notice your eyes were green. You know things like that. We find out that this is the restaurant where uh, Henry and her were engaged. So this is a very special has a special meaning to them. Um, and then and no and then of course like you know they come in and are, there's like I guess there's three old ladies there I guess they're probably part of the church or whatever so they know like who she is and they're already starting to gossip about her to themselves so you know that, that you think it's gonna come up later until you know we'll we'll get we'll get through that later but yeah. but yeah but this scene is very charming like you know they're having a conversation they're having a great time like you know this palm reader for some reason comes to their table to leave like i guess the 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 palm like instructions or whatever that is right 
And then, you know, he starts, he grabs her hand, like, you know, I'll read your palm. And then he doesn't look at her hand once. He just tells her how beautiful her eyes are. And, like, again, like, it's like they're on a date. <laughs> so, of course, I'm going to be confused. And then after a while, after a bit of this, like, those old, he's like, we have to do something about those old ladies. So he just basically has a, invites him to come over and sit down to basically clear the air that there's nothing funny or suspicious going on here. You know, he's just he's like, oh, this is the bishop's assistant. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> we find out then that uh, the bishop, uh, Henry, has, you know, came home early. He had canceled his his, uh, his lunch meeting uh, to come home to be with Julia. And uh, he finds out that Julia went out to lunch with Dudley already. So, so he's a little perturbed about that. Yeah, well, I mean, I probably would be too, no lie, even if he is an angel. <laughs> we... we fo- you know, Julia, while Julia and uh, Dudley are out on the street, they, they bump into the professor, who, again, he's like, I don't think I know you. I think you, you're lying about who you are. Uh, and he's like, oh, it's a game we play. He always pretends he doesn't know who I am. <laughs> um, <laughs> and they go back to his, his apartment to, like, have a little have a little drink. And there's something here that I, I kind of cracked up at. Like, he has this, like, bottle of, I think it's Sherry, hidden in the fireplace. Like, what is that? It's like this little trap door in the fireplace that he keeps the he keeps the Sherry in. I think Sherry. Yeah. <laughs> but as he's as he's uh as they're kind of hanging out, they the professor reveals that yeah, I'm well first he's like oh, Daddy's like, Oh, I didn't know you were writing a book. And he's like, Oh, you didn't know? You should have known because in Vienna I was talking about it. And he's like, Oh, I thought you finished that years ago. <laughs> but yeah, you find out that he's been writing a book, but he's kind of been for years, he's just been kind of writer's block, and he just can't write anything. And as they're drinking, and the wine keeps going down in their cups, you you just see that he's magic. The Dudley's kind of magically refilling the cup. And I kept, I tried to find out how they did that because it's a really fun effect. But I actually couldn't find out how they did this. Did you see anything about it? Because I couldn't figure out how they refilled the cup like that. No, and again, not not to beat a dead horse, but the same way as I. Fully believe that Al Pacino slaughtered a mountain of cocaine. I don't want to know. I'd rather <laughs> I'd rather just live in ignorance. Like how they did it. It's a really cool effect, and maybe it was magic. Who knows? And you know, it, it's. It, I thought I, I at one point I was like, oh, maybe they're just like maybe it's like reversing the film or something, and it's really getting drained. But then I'm like, no, because they're it's being filled while the actors are talking, so it's not reverse film. So like maybe there's like a hose or something that like is hidden that refills it i don't know but it's very it's a very impressive little trick i i i must say and i was very impressed by it but yeah you find out that the professor has been having writer's block and that he's never had love and that he's you know um he's just kind of this lonely old man and dudley just kind of watching him and smiling and then he talks he talks about the his coin that he found in the house and he basically tells him like oh yeah this is like the only coin of this in the world it was used by uh, cleopatra to pay her her bill with Julius Caesar and all this other stuff is like, this is a very rare coin. You can write about this. And it, it starts to inspire the professor to, to like do more research and, and go on to like start actually finish and start writing and finish his book. Yeah. And then as, uh, I mean, as all this is going, like you said, like the glass keeps refilling, but then like after they leave, he notices the bottle itself is even refilling, which is like, he's just like, he keeps looking at it. Like every time like it happens, he looks at it like something strange is going on. It doesn't hit him what's happening i think to like way later until we see him again but and he makes a funny he just makes a remark he's like we don't seem to be making any headway <laughs> what i wonder though no, like i wonder like if after because at, at the end of the film like everyone forgets about dudley i wonder does his does his wine go back to normal or does it like keep refilling because that would probably freak him out yeah i mean it would have to because yeah. <laughs> because when he know when he realizes that dudley what 
when you realize what Dudley is, like it's a, it explains the wine. But yeah, if, if he forgot about it, it'd be just weird, unexplained thing in his life. <laughs> exactly. After that, we you know Dudley and uh, and Julia come home. And he's basically, like, really annoyed that his wife was out with Dudley. And he's annoyed that Dudley wasn't doing anything other than just having fun with, uh, with Julia, not doing anything about the cathedral at all. Still not seeing that he's not really there about the, for the cathedral. He's, he's there for, for, to give him guidance about his life, but not about the cathedral. Exactly. But, I mean, on the bright side, he seems to be making everybody else's life happy. <laughs> the secretary, the maids, Julia, Debbie, they're all happier with Dudley around except for Henry, which is the funny part. That's, that's, I think that's where the comedy lies in all this. Even the dog is like they all go down to sit, to sit at the dinner table and then Dudley's staying for dinner. And he goes down to reach where the dog usually is and the dog isn't there and the dog is over by, by Dudley <laughs> getting pet. Oh, by the way, the first thing I said to myself, like, of course a bishop would have a St. Bernard for a dog. Oh, you know what? I didn't even see. That's a good point. I didn't even see that. That's that's good. That's clever. Yeah. So the next morning, you see him, like, trying to be nice to his wife, trying to, like, he's like, oh, I like the way you brush your hair. And he's like, let's, you know, I think he tries to make some sort of plan with her. I don't, I don't remember. But he's trying to, like, loving and sweet. Yeah. Um, and as he goes downstairs, he sees that Dudley is in the the living room or something with with Debbie, and he's telling her the story. I think it's David and the, uh, David and Goliath, or is it David and Goliath? He's telling the story about. No, it's about the lion. The lion. Like, yeah. yeah. So he tells her the story, and um, and as he's telling the story, as only he can tell it, everyone starts coming out. Matilda c- comes out, start listening to the story, and Miss Cassaway comes start listening to the story. Everyone's listening to the story, and and they're like captivated by it. And at the very end. He's like, I think you could finish this, Henry. And he's like, mm, some other time. So, like, he's so, like, grumpy and, like, like, dude, just say it. Just just say the words. Exactly. But it's like, you know, it's almost like Jesus was speaking in a way. Like, they're all coming from the hills and they're just listening to him preach. That's a similar effect they had with him with him telling the story today. Like, everybody was just coming out of the woodwork to just listen to him. Yeah, and this is, I think, one, one of the moments in the movie where it's explicitly religious like up until now i don't think it's been very religious at all but here's like where there's like yep here's some religion for you like here's a whole bible like a here's an entire bible story for you right here and we're going to talk about jesus but they don't like do they ever say i don't think they ever say jesus in the movie no i wonder if that that was like a a haze code thing or not but they they did not say it they say god but they don't say jesus right they allude to him they say, "Oh, he who sacrificed," or something like that. But and then he's in like in the the Christmas hymns, like he comes up when they mention his son. So yes, exactly. You know, he was supposed to go out. I think with Julia that night to go. To, oh, this is what this is the plan they were making. They were going to go out to to see the boys' choir at the at St. Timothy's. But then uh, Mrs. Hamilton called and said that she wanted to meet with him. So then he's obviously going to go do that instead. And disappointing Julia yet again. Again, he's given the opportunity to send Dudley in his place, and he won't do it. He, he And so giving Dudley another opportunity to spend the night with Julia. Spend the evening, not spend the night. Uh, right. Spend the evening with Julia. Yeah, so I believe that he goes to Mrs. Hamilton, like Henry does, and then they head off to the church to listen to the boys' choir. And, you know, it, it's, you know, she was pleading with him, you know, all oh, the, the reverend you know would be so happy to see you like he looks up to you like he's been expecting you you know for a long time how to come by and then of course henry you know just kind of brushes that off he has to see mrs hamilton and then they kind of shift to dudley and julia they're at the church you know they say hello to the reverend and then when they get there there's only two boys sitting there you know the reverend's like you know it's a little embarrassing i'm you know it's you know you can't really compete with you know soccer and sports right now when it comes to religion so basketball Basketball and, and 
let's say basketball and soccer or something or whatever. But basically, sports come first with the little boys, which I mean, that is what it is, right? So yeah, and then that, that Dudley works his magic though here. They're all good boys at heart. I know they are. They'll show up. I hope so. Hello, Bobby. Hello. What do you think? I sing first soprano. Oh, you're good? I don't know. Well, how about giving out? Me alone? Well, you got George up there. Hello, George. Hello. Well, what do you say? Okay. You ready, Mrs. Duffy? Oh, yes. Hit it. This was a real boys choir. Uh, this was the, let me see, I have it in my notes here, the Robert Mitchell Boys Choir. So they were really singing. That was really uh, an actual boys choir that was doing that. So, um, yeah, I've never understood boys choirs. Like, like boys, their voices change. Why would you, like, want to, like, have an entire choir of kids whose voices are about Boy, to change? I, I mean, I thought about that, too, when I was watching this, and I guess the idea is, well, once you know, your voice deepened, like you weren't in the choir anymore. No. I mean, that was just... It sounds, I mean, very, it sounds very pretty. It just seems like odd they wouldn't use girls, you know? And plus, I remember, you know, when this was like the late 40s, early 50s, like, uh, I'm sure they would include girls later on, but... I know, I know. I'm sure this is exactly. There's there's some old-fashioned old, old fashioned stuff involved with this, but it's just... Yeah. 
It's just amusing. He gets them all to sing. It's very lovely and beautiful. The 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 not the priest, the reverend of this church is very happy, you know. Um, so like again, he like you said, he works his magic and makes everyone around them feel good and happy again. But then at the like I said, like I was alluding to earlier, when Henry was at the Mrs. Hamilton's house, I'm not arguing. I'm just gonna like let this, this Mrs. Hamilton have whatever she wants. I don't care. I just want to be done with it. Yes, the Saint Saint George can look like your husband George, and she's and he's like, "What do you think about the dragon?" He's like, "Oh, any dragon." <laughs> That's a funny. Yeah, line. that was funny. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, so she, she's just like, "Yeah, just whatever. I don't care. Just whatever you want, as long as I get the money." So and then he's like, but then he tries to be like, "Well, you know, now that we've agreed, I, I just want to go back and meet my wife." She's like, "Oh yeah, go ahead." And like you said, Dudley works a little magic here. Once he tries to leave, because of some divine interference, Dudley is. <laughs> Henry tries to get up from his chair and finds that he's stuck. And, like, he literally cannot get out of his chair. Like, it's like his pants are stuck to the chair. The butler comes in and is like, oh, it must be the new varnish. And then, like, they can't find anything to take the, to take the, take his pants off of it. So he's just kind of stuck there. He ends up having to call somebody to bring him new pants. I think he calls uh, Mrs. Shadow, uh, Miss Chataway. Yeah. He goes, bring me a set of trousers. Like, what does it matter what they're for? Just bring them. <laughs> Because that is such a that is so a question I would ask. Like, what do you need pants for? <laughs> and uh, and there's a funny little tag at the end of the scene where she's like, "This sounds like, well, have a seat." And he kind of just sits down in his chair. And she's like, Thanks, I, I already have one. Thank you. Yeah, there you go. Uh, we go back to Dudley and, and Julia. Julia, who's been eyeing this hat this whole movie, this ridiculous hat in the in the hat store. She she sees it and she kind of gets a little upset that some other woman is getting it. So he so Dudley kind of goes in the store and like makes a face at the woman in, in the mirror. So it's kind of to like to convince her, oh, it doesn't look good on you. And then the next scene you see that Julie has bought the hat. Yes. Um, and as, as they're in the, as they're in the car on the taxi cab going home, they pass a, an ice skating rink and he's like, well, oh, let's go ice skating right now. Oh, and by, before this, like, so when Julie was looking at the window and seeing that the hat was being taken away, so they had already hailed the cab. So Dudley goes to the driver, Sylvester, wait for us, please, or something like that. And he goes, sure, I'll wait for you. Hey, how'd you know I was Sylvester? <laughs> so the the driver popped because he called him by his name, and he didn't even know his name. So then after she gets the hat, they're in the car, they head to the ice skating rink. And then he asks him again, how'd you know my name was Sylvester? Like, uh, your name, you have your name up above the uh, dashboard there. Like, oh. My name's up there. Okay. <laughs> now, is it really there though? Like, I don't really, I don't know if that was like alluding to like it's not there. Maybe it is, but I don't know how he could have seen it beforehand. But I mean, he just went with it. So yeah. So then, as they're driving, uh, actually before the ice skating rink, he almost gets into an accident, and then Dudley kind of, you know, prevents that by like tapping his shoulder and, and you know making him see the the truck at the very last minute and you know getting out of the way and, and don't like, they start talking oh before you even get to that like i think he even starts talking philosophically for a bit like do you know what the number one thing wrong is with this world and i'm sitting there watching to think oh i can think of many things wrong with this world right now but please go on <laughs> and then he starts going on and on right and that's when he's about to get hit by the truck right and then after after he misses uh, misses the truck, he's just like, "Oh, did you see that? It was like a miracle." And he and he has, he has a good line. He's like, "Yes, it was, but don't overplay your hand." <laughs> that was a good <laughs> that's a great line. So yeah, so they stop at the ice skating rink, 
and, and then and you know he convinces i always want to call i go back and forth between calling them the real names and, and their character names i almost said loretta he convinces julia to go out and ice skating with him and he's like sylvester come on so that sylvester kind of kind of joins on the fun and we get the very extended sequence here of them ice skating and what's funny is like so you get like a nice medium shot of Cary grant and loretta young actually ice skating you can see like it's them on their feet like you can see their faces and they're it's a very easy like mm-hmm. I know where you're going with this because I laughed when, when this happened but but ahead. then like <laughs> you, but then you see like it goes real far back and you see Dudley start doing this like Olympic level figure skating and you're like that does not look anything like Gary like Grant first of all he's like a foot shorter you know? <laughs> <laughs> and like and yeah yeah we have HD TVs now and everything but Come on, like it's so obvious it's not him. <laughs> it's so funny. I sat there like that is not Cary Grant, you phonies. Like you, <laughs> I I, I use other expletives that I can't say it's right so now, funny. but it, I, but like, it was funny though. Uh, but I like how they try to trick you because they show them actually skating for a little bit, but then they cut to like this ridiculous like, and then and then they do it with a Loretta Young stunt double too because they they pan out again when they're both. Th- skating together and it's, again it's like this olympic level figure skating routine you know what i mean and so and they're like synchronized <laughs> it's clear that it's not the actors it's at hilarious all. Yeah. and then whoever plays then they get sylvester in on the action and it's like clearly not the old man in, in the ice skates uh it's, it's i'm really- sure i'm sure back then it was harder to tell but like now like you said with the hd tvs like Come on, you can't hide yeah. that from us. No more. I know it's funny. Yeah, it, 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 it's it's pretty amusing. But yeah, I mean, they, they never thought that we'd be able to like see this on a large screen TV in our own homes, like you yeah. know, five feet away from it, right? Like, but uh, it's just it's just so funny. Like the second they do that pant, like that pullback, you're like, oh, I know what they're doing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like this, this dude is like, it's just funny because like you couldn't find a figure skater that was like a little bit taller because he's like clearly so much shorter than Cary Grant. <laughs> At least just a foot taller. That's all you needed. Like, <laughs> uh, but I mean, it, otherwise, it's a very charming scene and everything. But it's it, it, it is just it just I just find that so, that that little thing that they do so funny. I, I will say it goes maybe a little long, <laughs> you know. It does. I think they could have cut like two or three minutes out of this sequence because it goes on a little long. So afterwards, Sylvester drops him off. He says there's no fee because he just had such a great time. He doesn't want to charge them anything. And that uh, he restored his faith in humanity, which, yes. listen, it's awful. If you ever want a free Uber ride, you just got to talk to the driver, which restores faith in humanity. And yeah, just talk I know to you don't like talking to drivers. <laughs> Take a ice skating. I never, I never <laughs> talk to Uber drivers. I never like. I don't want to be talked to. I don't want to talk to them. I just like want to sit in my car and like listen to my pod, my uh, my i uh, iPhone. I just don't want. I don't want to do anything. Just drive. But I, I, I'm in your boat as well. But sometimes they insist, so I have to like feign interest. Like, yeah, you know, how you doing? <laughs> What's going on? And then it just it just gets awkward after a while because <laughs> you run out of things to talk about. As uh, as they come back home. Henry is really upset that they once again have been out like all night while he was stuck to this chair. He he wishes, you know, he actually uh, at one point he says that I don't think you're an angel. I think you're a demon straight from uh, 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 uh. <laughs> they don't say it. But uh, he, he, you know, they imply that he's going to say hell there. You know, he, he, Dudley basically says, I'm not going to go away like you're until like you, you came until I solve the problem I'm here for. 
but then he kind of disappears at one point, and Julia comes back downstairs. He's like, "Where's Dudley?" He's like, "I fired him. He just I told him to go home." And then again, the their marriage again is in trouble because he's just being so mean to her and so rude to her. And like, she, he just fired this guy that Julia thinks is harmless, you know. And he's just it's just another kind of chipping away at the stone of their relationship. Exactly. And then, I mean, not only does Julia get upset, like the whole house does, <laughs> like, you know, Matilda's upset, like everybody, <laughs> everybody's annoyed with the bishop. Julia and, oh, actually, before they go, Julia's supposed to go out with Henry to to kind of go calling on some different people to, like, get donations. Tells Miss Cassaway to, like, write up the sermon. And as as they head out the door, they see that Sylvester's hanging out there. He's like, oh, I just hoping there'd be another ice skating party. <laughs> Which, that, that's, that's very weird. That's very weird. It's a little weird. <laughs> And then Sylvester's like, oh, I know. Who's this? He's like, oh, this is my... He's like, oh, I know. You guys are... You and Deadly are going to get married. <laughs> like, uh, this is my husband. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, awkward. So they, they take off, and then we cut back into, the, like, the library where Mrs. Cassaway is, is, is uh, typing her... Typing the sermon, and Dudley kind of just goes in there. He's like, he scares her because he doesn't realize he's in there. And then he's like, well, I'll take care of this for you. I'll, I'll, I'll type up the sermon for you. And she's like, are you sure? He's like, yeah, I'll just go home. It's Christmas Eve and get shopping to do. And then, of course, she's smitten with him. So she's like, she was, okay. And she takes off. Yeah. He burns this original sermon that she was writing, and then he starts dictating out loud uh, to the to the typewriter, which starts typing down his words. And we'll get to the what he actually writes at the end of the movie, but um, he basically types the 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 bishop's sermon for him. Yeah, he does the wacky um, like uh, dictation type thing, like uh, <laughs> like. You know, every time I see a scene like that, whether in movies or TV, like in Mad Men or whatever, I think of the Family Guy gag, where like he's dictating to Lois a letter to Life Serial, like, "Dear Life Serial, who do you think you are? <laughs> Part of a balanced breakfast and delicious? Where do you get off?" <laughs> and then he goes on and on, but like that reminded me of that. And I started laughing. So he he, he after that he's. Um... He sees Matilda trying to decorate the Christmas tree. And this is something I always see in old Christmas movies where they're decorating the tree on Christmas Eve. Like, it must not have been a tradition to, like, it must have been a tradition not to do it until the last minute. Because, like, we've had our tree up since, like, Thanksgiving, you know? Yeah. Which is a little early, but even then, like, people do it, like, December 1st or something, you know? Like, they don't like Yeah, you see that, like, in other movies. I mean, yeah, like, with, like same with me, dude. Like, day after Christmas, day after Thanksgiving, the tree was already up. Um, but like in movies, like again, not jingle all the way. You see them putting it up like Christmas Eve or like the day before Christmas Eve. They're already they're setting up the tree. Like I had mine up for a month at that point. <laughs> yeah, I know it's so strange. But anyway, yeah. Matilda Matilda's setting up trying to trim the tree, and then she's like walking backwards and she walks backwards until she gets frightened, and then immediately goes, "Oh, Mister Dudley!" <laughs> 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 really fun fun acting there. And then and then um. He's like, he's, uh, she she goes away, and he finishes trimming the tree for her. And there's again, nice little practical effects here. You see him fill up the tree with like the lights and the tinsel and the garland and all the other stuff. And, and but like he does it with like a wave of his hands and stuff. Right, more magic. Following scene, he goes to Mrs. Hamilton's house. Where the butler's like, is she expecting you? And he's like, oh, she'll see me. Like, and then he goes, oh, it's almost like the Jedi mind trick. He's like, he's like, she'll see me. And he goes, oh, she'll see you. 
Uh, and as the butler's kind of getting fetching Mrs. Hamilton, um, he kind of starts looking around the the drawing room. I think they call it. He finds a uh, a, a composition that was uh, you know like a a musical composition, and I think it's called Lost April. And it says something like, uh, "This was composed for my darling, and only my darling," or something like that. And it says Alan, but her husband isn't named Alan. His name is George. So who's this Alan man? Yeah, so something to the effect that only you could have inspired, you know, this song or whatever, right? Yeah. So, of course, there's this very convenient harp there. Of course, an angel with a harp, you know. Uh, <laughs> now, I caught that too. It starts playing the harp, uh, the composition on the harp. This was composed for you, my darling, and you only, Alan, when her husband's name was George. Which is again kind of hilarious because you know you see him sit down you see him put the harp on his shoulder and then you cut to this shot <laughs> where it's like they clearly just have his heads peeking around the corner <laughs> as they put like uh like like a uh a, a back screen like behind the the harp as someone else yeah. actually plays the harp. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's very funny um but he's playing this beautiful tune and Mrs. Hamilton hears it, and she comes down and just watches watches him play the tune. And she's like, "There's only one other person, only one other person uh, knows that composition. How do how do you know it?" And he basically says, "Oh, it's it's a tragedy that nobody else knew the the uh, beautiful music of Alan 
whatever his name was. I think he said Cartwright, I think. Cartwright, Alan Cartwright. Yeah. Basically, Dudley uses divine influence to basically say, you know, to basically get her to reveal that the reason she's so kind of crusty and mean and insistent that this cathedral be built in her husband's honor is because she's she never loved her husband and she feels so guilty about not loving her husband because she fell in love with this Alan guy. But she was he was poor and she chose to marry for money instead of for love. That's her and problem. It, yeah. <laughs> That's how I saw it. I know, right? And That's Alan Alan died and she never had the opportunity to marry for love. And so she married for, for money and because that she was so felt so guilty that George, her real husband, loved her, she never loved him back. She just is like trying to do everything in his image to like make up for, you know, the fact that she felt guilty about it. And of course Dudley kind of influences her to like instead of using her money for this cathedral to give it to poor people and rebuild the St. Timothy's and, and help, you know, the homeless and feed the poor and all this other stuff. And, uh, which doesn't go over well with the Bishop. Right. And of course he managed to accomplish all this just as uh, Henry and Julie are showing up to Mrs. Hamilton's, I guess to plead with her for, for more money or to, you know, finalize like the donation. And then, you know, they get there as Dudley is leaving and, you know, she tells him, you know, I just met Dudley. It was, like, the most, like, wonderful experience of my life. And I'm going to donate the money, you know, to charity, you know, to help poor people, you know. And, we you know, we don't need the cathedral anymore. And, of course, like, Julie is happy. But you can see, like, Henry's kind of annoyed. <laughs> yeah, and he just kind of takes off. He leaves Julia there. <laughs> yeah. He just takes off on this walk. And uh, he runs into the – he goes – actually, he doesn't run into He actually goes to the professor's apartment. And he kind of talks things over with him. And he says – he basically says, yeah, Dudley's an angel, and he will, and he's like, wait, nothing stopped me from saying that this time. This is the first time he's actually said uh, in front of another person that he's an angel. And this is also because Monty Woolley, uh, the professor, also believes that there's something supernatural going on here because he his wine keeps refilling. He knows that he's been inspired and influenced by Dudley, and it's it's very funny, not funny, but it's very, it's a very it's a theme of the film that has taken this atheist basically and made him a believer in something divine. Exactly. You know, and um, it, 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 you get to the scene later on also to like to kind of skip ahead. Dudley's talking to Henry and, you know, and this is where like you mentioned at the beginning um, that I kind of, I misspoke when talking about what Henry was praying for. You know, he's, he's telling, uh, he's like, you know, I prayed for a cathedral. He's like, no, Henry, you prayed for guidance. That has been given to you. So, like you said, very important distinction, you know, and like it's now like, you know, he's coming home and, you know, Henry is finally like, I guess, inspired to, I guess, spend more time with his family to give his family the utmost attention. Because like he comes home, he's ready to fight Dudley for, for Julia, right? And, uh, this is funny because it's like, you know, you know, Dudley's like, you know, I can't fight you or whatever he says to him. Like, he's, he's very charming about it, but like, it's like, you know, I, I can't, uh. I can't, we can't fight, you know, how can I fight for something that's not even mine, basically, you know, so, and then Henry's like, no, I love you, like, so you love her, like, I love her, and then, like, when I'm watching the scene, right, I'm saying to, I'm actually talking to the screeners, I'm like, well, that's the point, dude, <laughs> like, you never really expressed your love for Julie until now, this is what he, Dudley wanted you to do when you did it, so now it's good, mission accomplished. <laughs> and, and right before that, it is, like, when Dudley... I don't know if he's testing himself or testing Julia, but he basically like looks at her. He's like, I'm tired of being an immortal person. I want to be a man and I want to chase after, you know, earthly things. Or I forget how he puts it. And then Julia knows exactly what he means. She's like, no, you, you have to go. You have to leave. Have to so leave. clearly 
like because Julia demonstrates in that very second that she's doesn't matter that if their relationship is strained, like she is faithful to her husband, and she's she just like she gets very upset and runs off, and then that's that's when Henry comes in, she sees her run off, and then he and then he confronts Dudley, and then he has a funny line like, "I never had to fight an angel, put up your dukes." <laughs> I love the put up your dukes, <laughs> and I think what you're saying is like um, what Dudley said right is like, don't you realize I could destroy you with a bolt of lightning or something? And then and then that's when he's like, I don't care. I love her. And then he's like, there okay, you go. I'm, this for you. I'm going. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's, that's all you have to say. I love her. And then, yeah, and then this is whenever he's like, he's like, I, you didn't solve my problems at all. I, I asked for cathedral. And he's like, no, you asked for guidance and that has been given to you. So it's, it's a good moment. And so you and you kind of find out that, so they, they did kind of like tiptoe around it, uh, but he kind of blatantly states that yeah, the the problem here was is that I was feeling a little bit jealous and wanted to and and I, and I was jealous of of your life and your and your and your children and your wife and now I can't be I can't come back here and you won't you won't ever see me again if if another angel comes to visit you. Right, you know he he talks you know he talks that carny military talk. You know they can't keep us in the same post for too long. You know they don't assign us to the same post. You know twice. So, like, if you get another angel, it's not going to be me. Anyway, and then right before he goes, he basically says, and then when I leave, you won't remember me. Julia won't remember me. Debbie won't remember me. Nobody will remember who, that I was here or I did anything. That's how we work. Like, you know, we give you ideas. You take it as your own. So Dudley kind of walks away. The, Henry just kind of, like, looks around for uh, like a, after, like, a minute. He, like, looks around, and he's like, he feels like there's something strange. He runs up to Julia, and Julia, who was crying in the scene earlier, is now perfectly happy. Um, she's kissing her kids goodnight, her daughter goodnight, and then they have this, like, very, like, oh, let's go down and celebrate and, and uh, drink some wine or something. And he's like, he's like, oh, no, we have the sermon tonight. I was like, oh, that's even better. So he's clearly, <laughs> the relationship has been rebuilt. He's happy. Julia's happy. They go to, the, I think the next scene is that the, everyone's, is, is a, at is at the St. Timothy, where he's about to yeah. deliver a sermon. And who do you see but the professor, the atheist, going into the, the midnight mass there? Although it's not mass if it's if it's not Catholic. But you know what I'm saying. Yeah. And then you see his deliver the speech that Dudley wrote. And it's funny because he kind of gives it a second glance like as if he doesn't recognize it. But then he keeps going anyway. Tonight I want to tell you the story of an empty stocking. Once upon a midnight clear... There was a child's cry. A blazing star hung over a stable. And wise men came with birthday gifts. We haven't forgotten that night down the centuries. We celebrated with stars on Christmas trees, with the sound of bells, and with gifts. But especially with gifts. You give me a book, and I give you a tie. Aunt Martha has always wanted an orange squeeze. And Uncle Henry could do with a new pipe. Oh, we forget nobody, adult or child. All the stockings are filled. All that is, except one. And we have even forgotten to hang it up. A stocking for the child born in a manger. It's his birthday we're celebrating. Don't let us ever forget that. Let us ask ourselves what he would wish for most. And then let each put in his share. Loving kindness, 
warm hearts and the stretched out hand of tolerance. All the shining gifts that make peace on earth. They, they go tiptoe up to the, to the line of saying Jesus, but they don't. But it's like the stocking for the, the child born in the manger. You know, it's his birthday. Right, it's his birthday, know. after all. Yeah. You know. and, and basically the whole point is, is like, you know, not to think about commercialism, but think about whose birthday it is and be kind to each other and, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I think that's uh, you, after that, you see uh, Dudley kind of looking on and he walks off in the snow and then the credits roll. That's it. So that's the bishop's wife. So again, like you said, this is your first time watching it. When the movie ended, how how did you feel? Like like was it what you expected? It was like it was a very feel good moment. Like when the you know the big the end card came up as Dudley was walking away. Like I was very happy. I had a great time with the movie. It was a lot of fun. You know, great performances, especially Cary Grant. He was awesome. Um, and it, it was a feel good story. So like you know, I I gave it a little clap as, as it, it was a. Uh, the music was rising up at the end. Yeah, it was a great movie. It's funny because, as as some people might know, I'm not a very religious person. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm definitely more professor than I am Henry in, in my life. But I, I, you know, people think like just because you don't necessarily believe in anything, you can't still be touched by things like this. You know, I'm here to tell you that's not the case. Like I'm still very much touched yeah. by by movies like this because um, I can even if I don't generally believe in something like that in my quote-unquote real life i can watch a film like this and get involved in the story that they're telling and and still you know feel what you're supposed to feel within the story that they're telling to take an to take an example in the other direction even though i don't believe in the devil i can still get scared when i watch the exorcist right right because it because within the context of the story that they're telling it's still it's still a it's still effective, right? And then yeah, so it's with here, it's it's still effective here with the with the message of hope and peace and love and all that Christmassy stuff. Like it's yeah, still that stuff transcends religion, you know. That, that applies yeah. to society. But yeah, I mean, it is a very it's probably the most religiousy Christmas movie that I watch. I don't because most of the other Christmas movies I like, like you know, White Christmas or Holiday Inn or a Christmas Story or whatever, they're much more about like Christmas Christmas, not necessarily about Jesus. Well, the exception right. probably is, you know, It's a Wonderful Life, which has a very heavy God element to it, but not really to like, really to the very end. But yeah, this is probably the most religious one that I like, and it's very good. I think it's a very, it's a very fun movie. Absolutely. I had a great time watching this, man. Like, I look forward to watching it, you know, going forward every Christmas. <laughs> yeah, and Dudley is, is, I mean, Cary Grant as Dudley is really the reason to watch it. Like, it's, yeah. he's so charming in this film. Like, there's no, like, amazing. He, like, it, it's not, not just because of how good he is, but how good the other actors around him are. Like, how, how they're totally affected by him every time. Right. And I, and I, and I also like the fact that the, professor who is like the atheist right he doesn't necessarily warm up to him at first he takes some convincing i i, I always think i i thought that's a little clever you know yeah the movie was uh not an instant success because of what we mentioned earlier apparently audiences thought it might be a little too religious and they so they ended up changing the name and that whole thing was kind of silly but it ended up uh, being number 21 at the box office that year not great but not terrible uh, it made adjusted for inflation about $32 million. Just for reference, the number one movie that year was Road to Rio with uh, uh, <laughs> Bob Hope and Crosby. Um, the movie was remade in 1996 uh, as The Preacher's Wife with Denzel Washington in the uh, Cary Grant role, Whitney Houston in the Loretta Young role, and uh, Courtney B. Vance in the uh, Bishop's role. 
<laughs> Courtney B. Vance, bro. Yeah, I have never seen this version. Uh, I've I've been told it's okay, but I've never seen it. I I've seen bits and pieces of that as well, but that was mostly because when this when that movie came out on pay per view, we had the the free well, the quote unquote free pay per view. I'm not going to say why it was free on the air, but uh, uh, I know what you're talking about. I think um, we had those special boxes as well. But uh, it would be on because I don't know if you had the same kind of pay per view, but like we it was always two channels. Like you had like the main channel that would show like different movies, and then you had the other channel that would show the same movie for twenty four hours. Um, and then the preacher's no, wife was yeah, one of those but... movies at the time. So like I was put on that channel, and it would like constantly loop. Like I wouldn't sit down and watch the whole thing, but I'd drop into bits and pieces here. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen it, um, but. Denzel Washington and the Cary Grant role, that's pretty good casting. It is good casting, but again, yes, so can awful. you imagine anybody that looks like Denzel being called Dudley? Like, I can't. <laughs> is that his, I wonder, I'm going to look it up. I wonder if that's his name in the movie, because I, I can't imagine. Let's see, The Preacher's Wife. Let's look it up right now. Ha! It is Dudley. His name is Dudley <laughs> in the movie. Huh. Interesting. You cannot call someone that looks like Denzel Washington Dudley, bro. <laughs> but they still go by Julian Henry um, yeah. for the main characters, but... Uh, Okay, all right, there you go. <laughs> um, the film was nominated for several Academy Awards. It won, sorry, it was nominated for Best Director, Editing, Music, and Picture. It lost all those except for Sound, which it won. In Best Picture, it lost out that year to Gentleman's Agreement. Um, so it was pretty much almost shut out for, for Oscars that year. Yeah. Interesting, no acting ones. I, I think if you might want to, if you were to consider acting, I might would've, might have thrown one to Cary Grant, might have thrown of one course. to Loretta Young. David Niven, um, but yeah, this is a this is a fun movie. Yes, it is. Um, did you? So you were able to watch it on TCM. So by the time this drops, it was running on Turner Classic Movies. Uh, I don't know if it's going to run again before the end of the year. Um, but usually, if you have a subscription, a cable subscription to Turner Classic Movies, you can get on their on-demand service and still watch it on their on-demand service. I'm not sure if it'll be included in that, but that's typically how any movies that they run in that month, you can watch on-demand on their online channel. Um, so I don't, I don't know if it's – you said you said in your research you couldn't find it streaming anywhere. But now I'd like to make a, a correction on that. Um, I discovered after I saw it on TCM, like I tried to like dig a little deeper, HBO Max, you can watch it there if you oh, have great. a subscription to HBO Max. And it's on Amazon Prime right now. I don't know if it's going to stay there past December, but as of right now, it is part. if you have Amazon Prime, you can watch it through Prime Video. Gotcha. And you can uh, purchase the movie on, you know, digital platforms like uh, Vudu or Apple Store. Uh, it's generally about $10. Uh, there's no HD version, unfortunately. Uh, it's just, I think they're all standard versions. But it's, it's, you can you can uh, you can probably rent it for about three bucks or buy it outright for about 10 bucks. Uh, I have the Blu-ray um, and it's pretty much it's a bare bones Blu-ray. There's nothing special about it. Like I'm like. I have the menu on right now. It's just play, scene selections, subtitles. That's it. Like, there's no, there's nothing on this Blu-ray. Um, yeah, it, it, that, that, that's a movie that's, like, begging for, like, a re-release with, like, extras and stuff. Because I think that, that Blu-ray's out of print. Because I've been trying to get it for, like, the last month, and it's always, like, 80 bucks. Yeah, I got it, like, several years ago. And then you're, it, I remember, like, getting it, and then several, like, um, 
and then shortly afterward it being out of print. So I guess if I ever wanted to make a couple bucks, I could resell it. But yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Um, but yeah, it's it's there's nothing there's nothing. It's a it's bare bones. There's no no there's no special features or anything. So you can buy it physical, or you can buy it streaming, or or as you said, you can watch it on HBO Max or Amazon Prime. We're probably gonna go on to back to well, we are gonna go back to our. Uh, Ran the movie generator for uh, our next film. I'm going to go ahead and run that now. All right. We'll see what we have coming in 2021. Here we go. Okay, and it has picked... Ah, this is a good movie, and I, it, I'm glad that it picked this, because I, this is, I needed to do a rewatch on this one, because it's been a long time since I've seen it. Ran the movie generator has picked the last picture show. Yes, yes, that's a good one. It is a good I, film, but I have not watched it in years, and it's this is I'm gonna need like a, a refresher on this one. Same, same with me. Long. Like I watched it when I first got my America Lost and Found set uh, from Criterion, and I haven't touched it since. And th- that was like years ago. Yeah, so. I haven't. I don't think I've watched it since. I don't know. It's been it's been a, it's been a while, probably like ten years. So I I barely remember it. I I know I know who's in it. I know the backstory behind it with, you know, um, with Polly Platt and Peter Bogdanovich and and Civil uh, uh, Shepherd and all that and how that kind of sorted itself out. There's a lot of drama behind the scenes on that movie, but um, yeah, I've been I've seen it, but I don't remember hardly any of it. So it'll be a good it'll be a good movie to to revisit. Yes, same here. All right, so that'll that we can look forward to that in 2021. Um, but before we go, uh, please uh, visit EssentialFilmsPodcast.com. Email us at EssentialFilmsPodcast at gmail.com. Like The Essential Films on Facebook and follow at Essential Films on Twitter. Uh, and please like, rate, review, and subscribe to us on uh, Apple Music or whatever – sorry, Apple Podcasts or whatever uh, – podcast platform you use and uh mark do you have any plugs sure um you can follow me on twitter at sports guy 515 right now i'm doing the big De- december thread on there just uh, it's pinned to my profile so first tweet you see there that's pinned uh is the entire december thread so if you just scroll down you'll see how i keep updating it every day with the movies that i'm watching uh you can also follow force respective our other podcast on twitter at fp movie podcast uh, Adolfo and I have already been talking. We're scheduling uh, our final 2020 show for sometime. By the time you listen to this, it'll be sometime that weekend after Christmas that we're going to record it, hopefully. And uh, it'll drop by the uh, obviously by the end of 2020 to kind of uh, give the year a big send off. Not that it really deserves one, but we're going to give it a send off nonetheless. Uh, and, I think we're going to yeah. give it a middle finger. <laughs> for, for, for the most part, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and then we'll look forward to 2021. Yeah, and not to not to get too far ahead of ourselves. I think we talked about perhaps discussing um, Wonder Woman '84 and uh, Mank. Uh, we're gonna. I'm gonna at least try to get those screened before we before we record, um, and also talk about some of the other films for the year. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. Thanks very much for tuning in. We are. Uh, we'll see you again for the last picture show. Uh, Mark, do you have any closing thoughts before we go? Uh. Not not really. Just a Merry Christmas to everybody. Have a Happy New Year. See you guys in 2021. Yep. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy Hanukkah, which technically already passed. Have a Happy Kwanzaa. Merry Festivus. And if you don't celebrate anything, have a good day off. All right. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And we will see you on the next one. Yeah.